Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad scientists, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Oh, it was all fun and games last week, Gavin, when we were making fun of Canada. But this week, oh, I think you're being offensive. Ass. The following podcast contains... Tobacco, swear words, and... Yes, alcohol. Dear Lord, that's the loudest profanity I've ever heard. Slang terminology and profanity and so forth. Well, now there's no need for profanity. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you gave a shit about an archaic institution lacking in relevance since the end of the 19th century, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, January 17th, 2020, We'll Never Be Royals edition of the show, where we are about to magna-fucking-carta some royal bullshit. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by the Sun King Resort and Casino. While settle for the boring old experience of lazing in the sun and gambling away your money when you could be in the court of the Sun King. Grand Gallop, exquisite French cuisine, ornate fashion, and a bevy of peasants and underlings to oppress and distress at your whim. At Sun King Resort and Casino, we don't replicate the experience of the 18th century French royalty. You live the actual experience. Order a maid stripped and beaten for knocking over your wine goblet. Force a commoner into sexual liaison. Beat a footman with your shoe. All the while surrounded by unimaginable opulence, decadence, and dissipation unseen since the French Revolution. Don't just live like a king, be a king at Sun King Resort Casino. Use the promo code GRANDDOLPHINE at registration and receive a free African servant for the duration of your stay. But your majesty, just in case of the remote possibility of a temporary revolution, don't you think it would be wise to have you safely spirited out of Paris? Hmm. Perhaps you're right. But who would sit on my throne in my absence? We'll find a double and put him on the throne. Ah, a double in case of trouble. I like it. <laughs> but where would you find a handsome dog to replace me? Oh, yes, of course, of course. That's it. Your Majesty, you look like the piss boy. And you look like a bucket of shit. There are myriad things I simply cannot comprehend about my fellow Americans. Like our predilection for deep-frying foods that have no business being deep-fried. Or the penchant for wearing shorts in sub-zero temperatures. Or, say, our aversion to voting in our own self-interest. I think the thing that bugs me the most is our obsession with the British royal family. English, dude. English. My bafflement goes all the way back to 1981 when the wedding of Prince Charles and Lady Diana was a fucking national obsession. The entire month of June 1981 was awash with coverage of the royal wedding, and even as a 12-year-old, I was utterly befuddled as to why. The wedding. Even the weather was glorious. In London, here is Peter Jennings. Peter? Frank, the sun was shining here on St. Paul's Cathedral this morning. London and much of the world was ready. Her 
Majesty the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh rode slowly out of Buckingham Palace into a sea of loyalty. Accompanied by her ceremonial lifeguards and one armed detective disguised as a footman, the Queen led the first royal procession down the Mall towards the cathedral where her son and heir would shortly be married. Prince Charles followed not far behind. Wearing the uniform of a naval commander, he was accompanied by his brother and supporter, Prince Andrew. And then from Clarence House, the Queen Mother's residence on the Mall itself, the glass coach, drawing perhaps 600 million pair of eyes to Lady Diana Spencer, the first English girl to marry a Prince of Wales in 300 years. All three channels, the newspapers, and good God, the magazines. Not just like the tabloids and gossip rags, but the news magazines. Those were like a thing where big events in the world were recorded and commented on in photos and in print and sold to the public. All, all of them were wall-to-wall coverage of a wedding that did not involve a single American, had no impact on the nation, its economy, or our politics in any way, and yet... There's shit everywhere, man. It was nonsense to a young me who rather reasonably assumed that a nation that went to the bother of rebelling against an institution and fighting a whole war of independence from said institution probably shouldn't worship it after the fact. And yet, there we were, swooning and gushings over the nuptials of the future head of the very institution we'd rebelled against so many years ago. Well, welcome to America, amigo. Good God, did America go nuts for Princess Diana. We fucking loved her for... Reasons, I guess. This is from a 2017 USA Today article on the anniversary of her death. Quote, Americans treasured their memories of Princess Diana in America, especially her first visit in 1985 when she wore blue velvet to dance with John Travolta at the Reagan White House. She excited the crowds in Washington, and they were large. They threatened to block traffic. Even serious news reporters were starstruck, leaving off reporting about budget talks and arms control negotiations to flutter about Diana, according to the New York Times, unquote. These are strange people, honey. And her death. Fucking A, man. The outpouring of grief for someone who, again, was not an American, had nothing to do with America, and, in fact, was part of an institution deeply antithetical to American ideals vis-a-vis the monarchy, it was kind of, ex- ups- uh, this was just excessive. There were fucking people crying in the streets, candlelight vigils in parks and televised ceremonies from all over the country. This country, not England. I will never understand it, never be able to reconcile it in my head, and will always think it was downright silly. I've got nothing against Diana, but I've got nothing for her either. You are a monster. Of course, the reason I bring this up is Chuck and Di's kids are all grown up and in the news as the younger son, Harry, and his wife, Megan, have decided they, uh, they don't want a royal no more. You can do that? Apparently so, because that's what they're doing. And again, this has nothing to do with the U.S. of A., in which has arguably far more important things to worry about than where a guy who will never sit on the throne decides to hang his royal hat. But here we are talking about it. Even me. So I decided I was going to try to get to the bottom of this weird obsession we have with the British royalty and ask why we don't care so much about, say, the the king of Thailand. Forget Thailand. Whole place ran on beads. 
First of all, this royal love is not a new phenomenon. It began almost as soon as the revolution was over. A certain amount of revisionism began to take place. Whereas King George III was a target of utter contempt during the war. King-sized assholes. As the years went along, it became more and more about Parliament than the royals. And by 1838, when Queen Victoria assumed the throne, a wave of royal fever swept America. From Smithsonian Magazine, quote, Victoria fever had spread across the nation, sparked in part by the coronation, which was an event of such popular interest that the Saturday Evening Post devoted several articles to it. Americans became infatuated with the young queen. The most complete account of the coronation, published by July 28, 1838, devoted almost 2,500 words to describing the pageantry of the event, going so far as listing the quality, type, and estimated value of jewels and pearls in the royal crown. A second account, published in early August, covered four columns of large page with very small type. Victoria fever also spread as high as America's highest office. President Andrew Jackson, who had corresponded with Princess Victoria and her mother during his time in office, perused with interest reports about her coronation, her marriage, and her children. Jackson was not president of the coronation itself. He'd left office a year earlier, but regarded the young queen as a personal protege, his little good friend, unquote. Andrew Jackson who during the War of 1812 took a little bacon and took a little beans and fought the dirty British at the town of New Orleans. I don't know, maybe it was some sort of weird guilt thing since the war had actually been over for a good six months before he did it. A century later, another British royal would obsess American minds in the years leading up to World War II, but this time an American was involved. She was not only relevant, she was the cause. This story has everything. Royalty, money, sex, divorce, power, scandal. MTV's Dan Cortez. And it would end with a king abdicating his throne to marry the woman he loved, Wallace Simpson, an America he met who was married to an Englishman at the time that she would divorce later for Edward. At the time, it was unthinkable a king would marry a commoner, much less one who was divorced. And what's worse, this common harlot, as she was called at the time, was twice divorced. Rumors ran through the British press that she had learned exotic sex secrets from the cat houses of the Orient. This was a real thing that was in British papers. The court hated her and made sure the British public hated her too through the even then powerful British tabs. But Americans were entranced. This is from a 2011 Baltimore Sun article, quote, her hometown was beside itself with excitement. Bar put Baltimoreans were agog at the notion that a commoner, one of their very own, would seemingly step into the fairy tale and become queen of England. During the just one three-month period in 1936, articles chronically developments of the romance ran in the Baltimore Sun nearly every day. One article described the gown that the 18-year-old Wallace wore when she made her debut in society in 1914. A casual remark by Mrs. Simpson about her Maryland roots was probed for hidden meaning. A New York entrepreneur even tried to buy the row house at 212 Biddle Street, where she had lived for several years as a girl and moved the building to New Jersey where he planned it as a central attraction in an amusement park, unquote. That's just the most beautiful thing that I've ever yeah, it wasn't quite so beautiful. I mean, she was vilified in England, both she and Edward, who was became the Duke of Windsor when he abdicated. They went into exile in France, and then they were effectively banished to Bermuda until the war, until after the war was over. And ostensibly because Wallace was a Nazi sympathizer, but the evidence for this is extremely thin, and by all indications, it was actually Edward that had some small tor leanings towards the Nazis. None of this stopped Edward's niece, Elizabeth II, Pope Honder, preventing her from attending his state funeral in the 70s. In the end, Wallace was tolerated during the services and promptly ignored for the rest of her life. That's, that's next level bitchy. 
God, yes. I mean, even today, people still believe that Nazi shit. Americans, however, still kind of love to remember her as the American commoner that married a king, even though he technically wasn't a king when they got married. But pound for pound sterling, America's favorite royal of all is Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, by the grace of God of the United Kingdom of Great Britain, Northern Ireland, and her other realms and territories, Queen, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith... An all-around swell gal. A 2019 YouGov poll showed 69% of all Americans. Nice, nice, very nice. Have a favorable opinion, topping out even Princess Diana and Prince William with 63% each. But you know who I feel bad for? Prince fucking Charles. I mean, dude has been waiting to ascend the fucking throne for decades Bro is 71 years old now, and his mom's ass is still warming the seat. I mean, even if he moved on up to the east side tomorrow, he's got, what, max 20 years? More likely 10 or less to be king before he kicks it, kicks it too? I mean, yeah, it's his mom and shit, but you know that's got to gnaw at him in the late hours of the night. Man, I wish this motherfucker would hurry up. And I get the Brits love the royal family, the history, the heritage, the stoic resolve displayed during the darkest hours of the 20th century. And I understand the schadenfreude they experience when the royals do dumb shit. My qualms are not with the loyal subjects of the kingdom and the commonwealth. You guys do you. And boy, do you ever, because in a poll in 2019, the favorables for the royal families were off the fucking charts. Queen Elizabeth II, 72% super favorable. Prince Harry, 71. Prince William, 69. Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge. William's wife, 64. Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, the, the royal husband, 54%. And Meghan, the Duchess of Sex, Sussex, only eked in sixth place with 49%. What's uh What is that all about, huh? <laughs> oh, I think we all know what that's all about. Oh, if you were at all curious as to whom the least loved royal on both sides of the pond is, clocking in at 28% in the States and 21% in the UK in 2019, so these numbers have probably gone down. It's none other than noted non-sweater and, and a pervert, pedophile. Prince Andrew, the Duke of York. Andy was never the favorite child of the queen, and his associated with, with Jeffrey definitely did not kill himself. Epstein has not done much to endear him to anyone except the kind of creepy old men that like to fuck teenage girl, girls provided as part of a sex trafficking scheme by a billionaire. His demographics among those fuckers is sky high. The poor fuck knows he should keep his mouth shut. And at the moment, the royal kerfuffle du jour is, of course, Ari and Meg, the young couple, have recently decided to consciously uncouple from their duties at the firm, which is what the Brits call the royal family, and fuck off to Canada for a little bit of privacy and independence. Canada. Canada. Everyone loves Canada. I mean, I kind of want to do that myself. The reason the kids are ditching Blighty is myriad, but mostly because the British tabs are chock full of racist shitwads who contrive everything Meghan does as a scandal. No one should be surprised at this, as many of those tabloids are owned by Rupert Murdoch, himself an infected cocksist of a racist who infects the world like a malaria mosquito. And while the Sussex certainly have my sympathy as far as that go, I want to be clear that I could not give two fucks about whether they live in Canada or a brownstone in Brooklyn or a trailer on the outskirts of Missoula, Montana. 
Actually, you know, I take that back. If they were maneuvered into a trailer deep in the flyover, I would actually give a fuck because it would show these two crazy kids actually do give a shit about getting away from the snooping press and overbearing family. They won't because they don't and because no one in the right mind would actually give up the wealth, power, privilege, and position. They just want things on their own, all these things on their own terms. And there's nothing wrong per se with that, but let's not turn it into some sort of grand moral statement. They ain't gonna stop being rich and famous. They're just doing the things all kids do when they realize they can't get their parents for out of their business and how they raise their kids they move further away but americans love to mythologize the british royals they seem to believe this family is fucking cinderella and snow white come to flesh for their entertainment this is why americans love to love the royals it lets them imagine all the fancy and exciting parts of having royalty without the inconvenient baggage of actually having a royal family in a constitutional monarchy Oh, don't give me that shit. The entire idea of a monarchy at all is at best an anachronism, and at worst, the physical embodiment of the idea of a ruling elite over the peasantry. Come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help, help, I'm being repressed! I mean, monarchy is fucking expensive. A July 2019 Forbes article says, quote, according to the Labour Sovereign Grant Grants accounts that were published last week, taxpayers in the UK are forking over more money than ever to the royal family. The monarchy cost £67 million, around £86 million in US money, in 2018-2019, a 41% increase for the previous fiscal year. So how does a complicated system of funding the monarchy in the UK work? In a nutshell, the UK government makes a payment called the Sovereign Grants to the royal household every year with its value determined by how much money the crown estate and extensive real estate portfolio brings in although i guess when you look at it 86 million is kind of a bargain i mean we yanks have paid over 50 million a year just to fly donald fucking trump to his golf courses for a grand total of around 150 million dollars so far huh the British taxpayers pay their royal family's bills on their estate, security, staff, all that shit. And the royal family, by the way, is one of the richest fucking families in the entire fucking world. They could buy Donald Trump with the money they found in the Queen's little rubber change purse. $88 billion in assets and intangibles like the Queen's extensive collection of hats. Who doesn't like hats? Ostensibly, the royals bring $1.7 billion worth of revenue to the British economy, primarily in the form of luring Americans overseas to gawk at palaces without anyone in them, where they try to get guys in fur hats to laugh. But I wonder if people would still come and do that regardless. You just tell them that's where the queen used to live, and yet if they, when they had a queen, Americans are too fucking stupid to know the difference. And none of this contributes one fucking dime to the United States, even taking into account any money made by the tabloids and TMZ running stories about the royal family. You're still running a net negative in time and productivity losses alone while people read those instead of doing their work or, I don't know, write a whole podcast script at their office. Chuck, in the insidious decrease in intelligence that comes in from reading stories about the royals, I mean, I'm a full IQ point dumber after doing research this week. It costs our country money to care about these people. So if you have, oh, by the way, by the way, if you personally consider yourself woke in any way, shape, form, or fashion, 
The royals represent a staggering history of oppression, slavery, colonialism, racism, and political repression that boggles the woke mind. Even in modern history, the monies and estates that comprise the wealth of the royal family are based on looted labor, treasure, and materials from centuries of imperial rule. Every time you get giddy over seeing a princess in the royal carriage draped in jewels of the finest fashion, that money came either from the British taxpayer or is soaked in the blood of slaves and colonial subjects. I'm not sure how you square that circle by telling me it's just good clean fun fantasy and I should really just relax. Arwen and Aragorn is fucking fantasy. Fuck Jeff, Joffrey and Marguerite were fantasy. Kate and William are Harry and Meghan. That shit was real money made off the labors and exploitation of real people for fucking centuries. Arwen's wedding gown was made by elves using moonlight and spider silk harvested right in Rivendell. Not made by sweatshop labelers in Buckleberry. World's nerdiest old man. And look, I don't want to come across all rah-rah America's great bullshit with you because it's not like we lack useless rich fucks in America to gawk at. Like the Kardashians. Oh, that's just a start. I mean, the least is extensive. Gwyneth Paltrow, what a perfect American princess. She's weird and scammy. Lisa Vanderpump, a person whose name I know as famous, but I literally have no fucking clue who she is, what she does, or why people seem to care about her in the least. And if that isn't checking off the boxes for royalty, I don't know what does. Someone named Heidi Montag is apparently very influential for some reason, other than being blonde and large-breasted. Her contributions to society elude this low-rated podcast host. Not that those things aren't valuable or important, but she ain't curing cancer. All the remaining Jackson family, excluding Janet, these people exist and garner media attention and fan worship, but serve no useful purpose in society. That alone qualifies them for American nobility. Kanye West. Give this fucker a crown, please. He's begging for it. You know what? Make him the Pope of the Church of America. It's the role he was born for. And these are just some of the more useless celebrities out there that could make up the royal court. In fact, in fact, instead of worshiping British royals, let's just go the fucking distance, people. Let's just do it. Let's make our own royal family. What are you talking about, Dave? Hear me out. Hear me out. Americans obviously have a deep-seated need for an entire family of useless, attention-whoring, possibly criminal waste of space to occupy some kind of desperate longing for a fantasy and a fairy tale. So let's go ahead and give them one. We, why don't we create a figurehead, a leader draped with all the finery and pomp of illusionary power and majesty, give them a whole bunch of money and attention, but no real authority, and let them pretend they have value and meaning to the country. It would solve some major problems going on and let the serious-minded people of this country get down to the business of solving shit. I think you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, and we don't like it. Yeah, let's make Donald Trump king of america are you insane possibly but hear me out all the orange dipshit really wants is people to cheer for him and bolster his limp and flaccid um ego he doesn't really crave power because power involves you know doing stuff all he really needs is the trappings of power and the cheering throngs of idiots flattering his nonsense, every nonsensical degree. So why not just create a constitutional head of state? I don't know, call him President Emeritus or something, although I still say King is the one that's going to sell it, with no political power except ceremonial shit like leading military parades and officiating celebrity weddings and just make fucking Donald Trump King of America. It's either genius or crap. It would solve so many problems. 
the dim bulbs that voted for him would be happy because their guy is king, which is much better than president, so he wouldn't cause any problems when we elect a new president. None of them know how politics works anyway, so they'll never notice he doesn't have any real power. He just appears on TV and Twitter to have it. Trump would be so enamored of the idea of being king, he's not going to notice. And his kids, well, the two idiot sons would kill each other so they su- trying to succeed the throne, and Ivanka would eventually assume the throne, knowing full well that it's the grift of a lifetime. She would be the perfect queen of America. It's the role she was born to play. In a generation, the American rules would be a mess in our society with the dumbest amongst us paying attention to them while people with two brain cells to rub together pay attention to fixing all the broken shit of the country. I think, I think this is the only possible solution for this dumb fucking nation. That is it for our show this week. Think about it, y'all. King Donald, first of his name, Lord of the White Working Class, Distractor of the Masses and Defender of the Dumb. I wish I could claim to have come up with this idea, but a Washington Post writer named Catherine Rampell put the idea in my head way back in 2016, where it lay dormant until this week. And she thought of it way before his royal assness was elected. All I did was just lay out a case for it now. And if you think I'm joking about this, I assure you, I'm 100% serious and think it's the safest way to deal with a Gordian knot choking us all. Speaking of choking up, rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast, which after my kerfuffle of my own making has been rather difficult. If you have subscribed on Pocket Cast, please search and resubscribe to the feed again. That shit is all fucked up. I do assure you that the program overall is corrected and it's merely working its way through the internet like corn in the colon. Eventually, it will come out and be spotted easily in the bowl. Disgusting little piece of filth. Follow all of our nuggets on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast of the show name on Facebook. All the shows are on Clown SoundCloud at the show name, and you can find all sorts of cool stuff at whatthehellpodcast.com. So for me, Dave Laird of County Jameson Bledsoe, producer 12th Earl of Buttstoke Gavin, and all the fictional royal functioners on the show, we want to say we'll never be royals. It don't run in our blood. This kind of luck's just aid for us. We crave a different kind of buzz. We'll see you all next week. In a torn up town No postcode envy But every song's like gold teeth Grey goose tripping in the bathroom Bloodstains, ball gowns Trash in the hotel room We don't care We're driving Cadillacs in our dreams But everybody's like Crystal Maybach Diamonds on your timepiece Jet planes, islands Tigers on a gold leash We don't care we aren't caught up in your love affair And we'll never be royals It's a run in our blood The kind of luck just ain't for us We crave a different kind of buzz Let me be your ruler You can call me Queen Bee And baby I'll rule Let me live that fantasy I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.